Hey guys, welcome to episode 38 of the JV Club. This episode is being released on Thanksgiving Day. I want to thank everybody who has just supported the podcast so far. Uh, you guys, you know I'm crazy about you. Um, Tess Rafferty was a great guest. Uh, I think we we put together a nice uh, Thanksgiving S episode albeit unintentionally for the most part except at the end but um i want to give some thanksgiving shout outs to uh people who sent me emails that includes liz z pierre jerome ashley s sam p on facebook i want to thank caroline j corinne tamara jenny s jamie uh, I want to thank on Twitter Nissa Cats Meow 5 Mora Kaylee, um, more people on the Facebook page uh, Oz, Alexander P, Paul L, Tammy C, Suzanne V, Alyssa H, Sean A. On iTunes, I want to thank yeah, that's right, iTunes guys, uh, Vitea One, Sparkord, Stern Life, Laura Revelian, Liza T, Carolina, and Cat. Um, and then I also want to just, uh, let you guys know that, uh, a very funny and cool guy, Jonathan Dunn has a book that is out that you should absolutely check out. It's at jonathanwdunn.com. Um, if you're a fan of comedy and good literature, you may find yourself a fan of this book. Um, and without further ado, I'd love to get into the episode with Tess. Uh, as always, guys, super grateful to have you. Certainly feeling extra grateful, uh, the courtesy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys have a lovely holiday if you celebrate it. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you soon. Okay, bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Everybody knows I like to start out by talking about the weather. That's not the case, but lately I have been wanting to talk about the weather because I love this weather. This is uh, some of my favorite weather out there. Oh, of all I'm, the weathers. Yeah, of all the weathers. Of all the weathers we get in Los Angeles. Of all our different weathers. Of the three different weathers. <laughs> Tess, what's your favorite weather? You know, I I like this. I think it's a nice. I think it's a nice change. Um, I like all weather. I think. I mean, I I, I, I dig this weather's. Um, I dig this. You know, I miss snow certainly since I've been in Los Angeles for so long. From where? Uh, Boston. What if you're like Tucson? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm from Tucson, Tess. It doesn't snow that much. You're not going to fool anybody. It, it, it's early. It's, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. I but you know I got to be honest. Like I'm really starting to dig the really just hot like swimming weather like oh, in my man. life i can't do it it's uh <laughs> what about it can't me? you do it just reminds me of all my summers growing up in tucson and just being too hot oh. to do anything and i think i was kind of i was just kind of a bummed out kid a lot of the time when i was in tucson and so i sort of have like opposite seasonal affective disorder of what most people have which is oh. when it's like hot i just get bummed out and when it's like this 
I'm in a really good mood and this is when I most love to ride my bike. I, I was supposed to play tennis today and I'm very sorry that that's not going to happen. I was supposed to play tennis today too. You were? Well, I'm, st- I'm still might. They, yeah? They what do, you, said, do, do you think it's going to, the courts will be dry? Because it's so They said I should call back at noon. Where do you go? <laughs> I go to the Weddington courts in the valley. I live in the valley, so I go to the Weddington courts over on Whitson and Ventura. Okay. So they said they thought it might be dry enough if it doesn't keep raining. So we'll Interesting. see. Interesting. I just feel like on a day like this, everything stays moist because there's no sun to really bake it out. I do too. And who wants to pick up the ball when it's all kind of gross and wet? Gooey and, and squishy. Yeah. And now I, you probably actually really play tennis, whereas I just like to, I sort of volley and rally because I like just running around trying to get the ball. I'm not so good with like serving and playing full games and sets. I'm not, I'm not either. And I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I, I, we, Chris and I have been taking tennis lessons for about a year and a half with a tennis instructor. And he's always like, let's just play on our own. I'm like, I like a tennis instructor because I really just want to hit a ball. That's all I want to do. And I want yeah. a guy to lob it yeah. at me. And I just want to keep hitting it back that's yeah. it i'm totally with you it's yeah. so satisfying i don't really i i just I, maybe if i played my whole life you know i would be more competitive in that way but i also feel like yeah i just feel like i get better exercise if i'm just like running around hitting it just hitting it yeah i, I really like like uh, I, I think of an instructor as a human ball machine yeah is really what it oh, is God, yeah. but plus like i don't know i can't I can't get competitive about things because I'll get too competitive. I understand that. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, I, I can't, I, I don't play poker with friends. I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. I I'm have like, a, I have a couple of friends who are sort of like the friends who get kind of teased about, uh, being the overly competitive game night friends where like oh, right. everyone loves them because they're great at playing games, but there's a sense of sort of like, it could go bad. Like yeah, it could yeah, go yeah. south. It could break bad at any moment. Like it's really fun and like high stakes sort of like even high stakes like celebrity or charades. But there is a sense of oh, oh, yeah. I really hope that somebody doesn't get in a fight over like. Oh, over the, well, we were my, my, my husband and I back when he was still my boyfriend. Um, we, we were playing Trulio Pursuit with another couple once. And we're not game people. We don't really have a lot of game friends. I think somebody had given it to me as a gift. And this couple come over and they see it. And they're like, let's play Trivial Pursuit. And so the husband is a whiz. The husband is getting every single answer right. And the wife's just this like really silly, like lighthearted. She's just getting drunk. And so she's like, basically we're playing teams, but she thinks her team is winning, even though she's really contributing nothing to it. And she's just sitting there laughing and gloating. And meanwhile, I'm like, you know, my boyfriend and I are, are fairly smart people. Every time I have the right answer, he goes, that's not it. And he answers and it's wrong. Every time he has the right answer, I'm like, no, that's not it. And I answer and it's wrong. Like, we can't get it together. And they're just like, just beating us. And we're like, what? You know, this isn't fair. She's dumb. He's, you know, <laughs> she dumb. she's drunk, you know, yeah. and like he and this guy was just like the human you know human computer and so we were it was just miserable and which by the way trivial pursuit first of all i haven't thought about trivial pursuit in a long time and when you just said trivial pursuit uh it really made me appreciate this the sort of the name trivial pursuit is so snobby sounding yeah it's a great name like it's a great game name they did a really nice job everybody likes trivia questions but suddenly trivial pursuit sounds like as kind of snobby of a game as it was considering that they're like you know board games like clue or like card games and stuff and and i could never i mean i don't know what would happen if i tried to play a game of trivial pursuit now but certainly like when it was all the rage and my dad had it and i would try to like dabble when i was a kid 
I, those questions were hard. Well, the kids' questions were hard. Right? Yeah, and you have to, if you play the real way, you have to actually be on one of those specific spots yeah. to get the, like, to get the actual question, you know? Um, so you gotta move, and then you gotta keep getting questions right to keep moving to the actual spots where you can get your little wedge. I mean, it's such a weird thing to think about now when we have video games and people don't. It's such a low tech thing. Like you yeah. had this little thing, and they had these wedges. It's not even like people, like like the you said, with plastic glue. colored wedges. Yeah, it's like, and I always liked yeah. pink because it was entertainment. And that was yeah. the best I could offer. It was, was like the, I yeah. will know the answers to one out of ten of these entertainment questions. <laughs> exactly. And I think nine out of ten, they were like. Abbott and Costello like it was so <laughs> dated you know it was like dated for that it was like historic you know it was all very like yeah. historical sports historical Sarah Bernhardt yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly I like, will who take was Gibson. William Shakespeare's predecessor yeah. no yeah. Like, going that far back that's exactly that's not entertaining did you ever do like uh tr- like or do you ever do like bar trivia nights because i always kind of liked the idea of that sort of my friends of mine in fact my old roommate barbie who will uh probably no doubt come back up into the conversation when we talk about this book that you have but um she's like you know one of those she was one of those sort of san francisco like every Tuesday I go to this Irish pub and I play mm-hmm. trivia and, you know, becomes a thing and it sort of feels like cheers when you walk in the door and everyone else yells Norm and all that. And, um, and I never did that. Did you ever do that? No, did they're always, that? um, you know, all the trivia nights are always in places like Silver Lake and Eagle Rock, which I do like to go to, but I don't live really near and, you know, it's not like my neighborhood bar and stuff. And then, and most of the things, the problem with bars is that I don't like the alcohol they serve at bars. Like yeah. I'm so snobby about, um, I'm, I'm just so snobby about like wh- what kind of wine I drink and, and I'll, and I can't drink beer anymore. I don't know if you found this. Like, it's just, I like drink one beer and I can't wear my rings the next day. You oh, know, it's like, <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you this. I have, I'm gluten intolerant. Um, and in a very real way, like it makes me physically throw up and Ooh, stuff. Oh God. And so, um, I can't drink beer because of the, like the barley and the hops in it. And, um, so I can drink gluten-free beer, but it's kind of not good. Yeah, yeah. And, I also do, so, and I've also just sort of evolved out of drinking for whatever reason uh, as I've gotten older. And I think part of it is like each different kind of booze has started to have a negative, a different kind of negative impact on me. It's like <laughs> wine makes me wake up in the middle of the night sweaty and disoriented with heartburn. <laughs> yeah. Beer, I can't, I'm allergic to. And even before I knew I was allergic, it was the same thing. Except for me, it wasn't the next morning. It was like instant bloat oh god yeah and pretty much any hard alcohol uh dehydrates me so fast that my contact lenses just turn into dry discs on my red eyes oh my god so i've just sort of like it's just not worth it yeah it's just i don't really drink anymore so for yeah for me too trivia at a bar would be like I'm drinking club soda while everyone else is, is getting drunk, and that's not always and that. Bad probably paying like six dollars. Then everybody's for that it. girl playing Trivial Pursuit with you, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm you awful. going. This isn't really that fun. Yeah, no, this isn't a good time for me. Yeah. What it, board games did you like to play when you were little? Did you have like Did you have like your favorites, your go tos? I like maybe not even like playing board games. No, I did. I liked Life, and I liked Clue. Um, Clue is so good. Clue is fun because there's like a story happening, I think. It's not like, like who likes Sorry? 
you know sorry is know nothing I've ever played sorry i can't tell you what it is no, like you know it's so which is the one of, that has is that the one that has like the dice inside the like plastic bubble that you like pop down and yahtzee then, or boggle or something perhaps. or both yahtzee and boggle maybe I, I, i'm realizing right now how board game illiterate i am i can speak to Candyland. i can speak it, to clue right right you know, well, can Candyland's great you know and um and you know in life even like you have a storyline with life it's possible i've never played life you've never played played life Did you know you get like the little car to play uh, it is it is kind of long to play actually it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's, it's like the the version of of online yeah. games now where you're like i built a world for myself <laughs> it was a little like that's a little like the sims because you do go through you graduate from college and then you um you roll the dice and choose your career based on that and then you get a yearly salary so that every time you pass a payday you, you know so it's really kind of develops into so a cast boring. system really yeah. quickly <laughs> but you that's know amazing. you get and then at the end of it you get paid for each kid you have have, like because if you land on a spot you might may or may not have a kid or twins oh, this or something. sounds very socialist i appreciate that aspect of it yeah it's really collecting um, your social security and your collecting your, your welfare getting paid per child and yeah. stuff it's like the opposite of china yeah <laughs> that's exactly yeah that's i think that's the slogan they're gonna go through on the reboot you know life oh, it's the opposite, the opposite of china <laughs> I couldn't love that more. Yeah. Oh, and Monopoly is a classic. Monopoly's, but Monopoly, yeah. I had trouble with too because of the sort of sense of greed about it. Like I was very oh. aware of. I was. Un- I think I was uncomfortable with my own. Speaking of like the competitiveness of it, there was yeah. something uncomfortable about like the buying and selling of things and the money. And I, I like. I think I appreciated the money too much like <laughs> wishing it were real like really having an awareness of like god it would be great if this were real money right and feeling maybe a little guilty and weird about that well i think monopoly 2 is one of those games that have been around so long that no one really knew all the rules to it and everybody like it was almost like a regional thing everybody had their own like weird way that they played in their family or something like you'd have like one card that people would be like oh we don't worry about that or we don't that's not how we, we play. don't play the railroads uh listen we just don't play the railroads here yes yeah, so there was something like really strange and nobody like you know every everybody it seemed like you know some people put their money in the middle and if you land in like oh when you pay your fines you don't put them back in the bank you put them in the middle and then whoever lands on this spot gets them and you're like okay like, <laughs> it's such a weird you know and i i think the i was customs the local customs of monopoly the local custom and i think it just was like whatever parents didn't want to have to deal with with their kids like they were just like oh this game is so involved and the houses and the hotels and they would just start lying to their kids about like what these rules were and then it just got passed down yeah yeah i don't I like that's it. what i always found with monopoly monopoly and let me ask you this other question because this has been on my mind recently uh and by the way i couldn't i can't preface it with more importance for something that is completely not an important (laughs) question but um i was having a conversation uh in my salon group which is a, a discussion group that i have once a month and um and we got into the topic of red vines versus uh twizzlers and there was an argument made that uh, it's an East Coast, West Coast thing that like oh. Twizzlers are more East Coast and Red Vines are maybe more West Coast or vice versa. Now I can't remember. Oh, wow. I, you know, but you're from Boston. I'm from Arizona. So I and I grew up liking kind of Twizzlers more, I think, even though they just taste like plastic. Yeah, I can't really. You know, it's so funny. I'm not a candy person. I like sweets, oh. but I'm so much more of like a chocolate like or bakery a cake. Or like, yeah, bakery, uh-huh. like mm-hmm. cookie. I um, wanted it all. 
yeah. of it. <laughs> all of it. I just wanted everything bad for Maybe me. Maybe with the exception of like Good and Plenty's, which I later came around to. Right. Yeah. That's so weird. I, I don't. Licorice still, I can't stand. It's, it's just not. My, I've said this on the podcast. I've, I, I can't believe this is the second time I've talked about licorice on my podcast. <laughs> Less than 40 episodes out. But black licorice, I hated my entire life as many do and then uh, my friend cole one day was eating licorice and i i took a piece of it and it was like some some cost plus like special german salted <laughs> licorice oh, oh and everything about it tasted the same i think this was a donna and danielle episode that i talked about this but everything about it tasted exactly the same as when i used to hate it but i just like made the decision like i like this now <laughs> which is That's weird a, a weird process yeah that even like, after i guess i like this it, now you were like you were like you were like i'm gonna try this again even though yeah. i hated this all my life i'm just gonna give it another shot <laughs> and then i just decided to like it and then i really liked it and then now uh licorice is made with wheat flour so i can't oh, i haven't been able to have it you anymore. came so far I only know. to be <laughs> i know i finally came around to it and then a couple of years later it's just taken away from you. Just think about all those years you wasted hating it. I know. Yeah, that you could have been. That's what I'm going to think about on my deathbed. <laughs> Some women think I spent too much time worrying about my hips. I will think I not only spent too much time worrying about my hips, but also <laughs> I didn't appreciate licorice until it was too late. Nearly. Well, it's easy to worry about your hips in this town, I think, because it's <sighs> like nobody has it. them. <laughs> Tell me about it. You know? oh, and they don't yeah, make yeah. clothes for. Um, they, you know, this is totally getting into girl issues, but they don't make clothes for hips. Um, I, I don't wear pants. <laughs> I don't really care for pants much either. I can't, I can't find a pair that like, um, my waist is too small. My waist to hip proportion is just not made for pants, but yeah. Dresses, and also it's, that's yeah. something that like women talk about. Like, you, you can read about that in a magazine. So it's not like it's a secret that people can't <laughs> find pants that fit well. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You know? Everybody <laughs> knows that that's a problem. And they're like, we're, we're still going to make pants the way we're making them. Yeah, there's yeah. like issues of magazines dedicated to like, <laughs> we'll help you find a pair of pants that doesn't cripple your ego. Yeah, I know. It's like, nope. It's, yeah. It's crazy. You know, it's, oh, it's, really, it's really nuts. And I finally kind of came around to it. Um, I was buying... Um, I was buying a bathing suit bottom from Victoria's Secret, I think, last year or something. And I can't remember. I think they were... Like I think I, I think I got a large. Like I think that was the size I was comfortable with. Was a large in the bathing suit bottoms, and you know, I mean, I'm not like you, you know what I mean. Like I'm, I'm so I'm sitting there and I'm like having a huge issue with it, and then I finally was like, you know what? If I'm a large, do you know how much of the country? Like, this isn't my problem. Like I've decided maybe that's just escapism. Right. But I'm kind of like I shouldn't. That, that means that anyone. That means that anyone bigger than me, and not like I'm so small or anything, but like there's a significant poor. I'm not a yeah. people can't see me. I'm not a big person. Yeah, <laughs> you know that there's a significant portion of this country who can't even fit into a large. Like I don't even know where they're buying their bathing suit bottoms. Right. Not a Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Like, and it's not like I'm a pl- I'm not a plus size model. People, I swear, I don't have a weight problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a small one. Anyway, like I'm just sort of like. You know, I finally kind of came around to like this isn't my problem. Like I'm not right. going to be beaten down by the fact that. I had to buy a size I'm not comfortable with. I I, yeah. I totally hear what you're saying, and I agree with that. And I also feel like you know, there's so much going on 
I just don't even know how to. I don't even know how to. Say, we talked about it a little bit on the Allison Rosen podcast episode because Allison was uh, was you know a, a kind of a a medically overweight kid in the sense that like her doctor, you know, her pediatrician said you know she needs to go on a diet when she was really young and. I just the, I think weight weight is such a circular issue in this country. You know, it's so and 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 there is also a sense of like I st- we're still struggling so much. Nobody can argue that we have a, a very high, absurdly high obesity rate, and that you know we're killing ourselves as a, as a country on mass in that way. But I also feel like um, it's just something that we can't. We can't figure out, like, emotionally, I think we can't figure it out to help each other. And also just, like, nobody can decide on what's healthy and normal anyway because you have, you know, the entertainment industry kind of pumping out one idea and then you have, um, yeah, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just feel like, well, no, because, I think the, because I think now what's happened is, and I think maybe Allison said this too, is that now it starts to feel like, like everything else is okay. Everything else is sort of off the table in terms of being um, bigoted, but it's still okay to be bigoted about fat people because now we're overweight people. I'm using the term fat as as the person who's being a bigot, by the way, guys. But that you that now you have the excuse of like our our country is obese. What is wrong with us? Look at all these fat <laughs> people who can't get it together. Like it sort of feels like. Instead of treating it compassionately and trying to figure out, like, what is going on, you know, with yeah. big food and with the way that we self-medicate with food and the way that we don't have, a, you know, whatever our relationship is to exercise and all that kind of stuff, it feels instead sometimes like it's just creating an excuse for people to still be horrible about people who are even a little bit chubby or whatever right, that means. Right. It's like, what's normal anymore and what's healthy and, like... You don't have to be a, you know what I mean? I just really struggle with that. I think, uh, I think a lot of people do. Well, it's certainly, you know, nobody's, nobody's sort of like looking at the other end of the spectrum going, you know, I think everyone's like, okay, well it's too, you know, I think we're, we are talking about the fact that it's, it's, um, okay, well that's not healthy or, you know, that, you know, it's, it's not good to be that, you know, to have this much body fat or it's not healthy to be, you know, this much overweight or whatever you want to call it. But nobody's going in the opposite direction and really doing anything about like, you know, what's also not healthy anorexia, you know, laxatives, like, you know, these people who look so frighteningly thin. And then didn't there, wasn't there a thing where there was some model on a runway who was like crazy, scary looking, or maybe it was on top model. There was that really thin girl at like a 16 inch waist or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then everybody was like, there was like some like, weird skinny backlash where like all these skinny people are like, we're just skinny. Get off our case or something like they were. No, like, it's, so t- you know? it's tough, man. It's I, tough. I mean, people do. T- certainly, people talk about being too thin, but it's not. It's not as pervasive, I guess, and it's not. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, we don't we don't have to talk about uh, weight stuff. We've talked about it before on the podcast a little bit, but um, but but just what you brought up in this in the idea of like yeah, when you go shopping and feeling like. Oh, like I like. Yeah. Listen, I've bought large size underwear, and I'm not. A, I'm not. You know. No, I'm, no. I'm you're sort of a small super person. thin and everything. But yeah. um. But uh. 
And the, there's that moment of like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess I'm large. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's yeah. not a size anymore. I guess it's a type. Like now I'm a large person. Yeah. I and like, know. that's not cool. No one should have to feel that way, n- nor should anyone who's larger than I am have to feel. I don't know. You know what yeah, I mean? No, or, sure. or, or we feel that way and we don't give a shit. Like, okay. Yeah, it's just a size. I mean, I don't, Listen, I don't I'm know. Healthy, you, like, I'm happy. Da, 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 you I'm know? sure, End like you, it's like I have, I have every size of clothing in my closet and it would all fit me at any one sure. time like like it would all fit me at the same time and please if you go vintage shopping like i'm like a size 16 oh i, right, I exaggerate yeah. not you know like vintage size clothes like we have we have uh vanity sizing in the united states so yeah um you know i'm like when you if you go back and you put on like an a dress from the 50s or whatever i'm like oh i'm a size 16 okay i've heard in beverly hills that in some stores they will actually just sew a, a small size into the dress when the woman buys it. Fantastic. <laughs> they will find a size that fits her and then literally just... That saw- does not surprise I, me. I, somebody told least. me that. I don't know the validity of, of, that, of that statement, but somebody said that they will just so, so, like, so, uh, so, sew a size two tag into it. It seems uh, entirely plausible, if yeah. not likely. And I, you know what? I would shop at that store. Like if I if I was a rich person or whatever, I'm sure yeah. it's expensive. I would I would go. Yeah, why not? You Walk know? away feeling like because that's what matters in life, guys. That's what matters. I know. That. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your adolescence. Let's talk about uh, where. So you were you're from Boston and and I actually uh, grew up in Delaware. You did okay. Yeah. So uh, so where where do we find you if we look at it uh, like a 13 year old Tess? God. Um, I guess I was doing, you know, I was doing a lot of theater and stuff. I always, I always did a lot of theater as a kid and was very, um, very goth, very into Morrissey and the Smiths. I love and everything I'm hearing. Yeah. Everybody who listens to the podcast knows I was very much on board. Right? And yeah. The Cure. I just was listening to The Cure actually on the way over here. They came up on random and I was like, oh, I love this song. It's from Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Yeah. That's it, a good album. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We've um, had a real, we had a real, I was talking to someone Guys, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but maybe like April Richardson or, or Jen Kirkman about disintegration and that that was like a life changing album for us. And I still get <clears throat> from time to time, I'll get tweets or, or Facebook messages from fans of the podcast who are like, I just listened to disintegration for the first time or oh, wow. thanks for reminding me how much I love that album. I haven't listened to it in a while and they put it back into rotation. But that's so yeah, great. Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me is good too. There's, um, there's certain albums I can't, listen to anymore or as much it's just it's almost like too nostalgic i i couldn't agree more yeah like you know i, I don't like, more. More. it was like that for me for a long time with with that album in fact and really and that was one of the reasons i hadn't listened to it yeah. in so long is that it really felt like it belonged to 13 year old me yeah and that i was like borrowing it back and it just felt weird but then recently when i gave it another spin i was like you know what i can connect to the nostalgia and i can appreciate this music for the music and it was a nice sort of like shaking hands with that you know right right what else would be what 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 would be like that for you um well you know i I went through i went through a huge doors phase when i was in college like humongous ridiculous doors phase where i was out here visiting a friend in um in the la area and before i went over to europe you know, because I went to college in Boston, but I was out in L.A. and I took water from Venice Beach because, you know, that's where Jim Morrison hung out. And I brought it all the way to Paris with me and poured it on his grave at Père Lachaise. Like, that's how crazy obsessed I was. 
Okay. Love yeah. that. <laughs> right. That's and now like they would never let me on a plane with water. I know. Venice. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say those days are over. Those days are totally the Venice over. to, I don't know how you would get away with that. You'd have to smuggle it in your suitcase, I guess. I mean, I did anyway, put it in my suitcase, but yeah. still just this like, you know, bottle, Gatorade bottle of stank water. so sweet though. <laughs> was how kidding. romantic. It was really. I hated Jim Morrison, but how really? romantic. <laughs> it was, um, it was, they were, so I was really just into their stuff, obviously. And I almost can't listen to it any, even though I still think that, you know, most of the music's, um, you know, most of the music's really good and stuff. I, I don't know. It's just like a weird I totally get like a that. block I have almost. I don't. I I liked the Doors music well enough. I just had this. I don't know where I got it from. To be honest with you, it was probably like the movie The Doors or something. I don't even know. But or maybe it was my dad. Somebody somewhere along the line. Because I know I would love to say. You know, we all like to pretend like whatever snobbery we have, like we estab- we cultivated on our own. But yeah. It, but you know, most likely, just someone I respected at some point in my life was like he was a scoundrel and like you know a drunk or whatever. But I was so dismissive of Jim Morrison in the same way that I was, frankly, and I've gotten a lot of flack for this. I was dismissive of, of Kurt Cobain in the same way. I was just like, oh. oh, these these guys who just want everyone to think they're so poetic and they're so tortured and like they're yeah. so deep. And um, who's to say they weren't? I mean, that everybody I'm, I'm wrong. Everybody else is right. There's a reason these people became famous and touched so many people. And like people were so in love with it, with their poetry and with their music and their contribution and stuff. But for whatever reason, I was snobby about that. And mind like, you, I was not snobby about other people that, you know, somebody else would say, are you kidding me with that? You couldn't get right. on board for Kurt Cobain, but you liked blank. I'm trying to think of who that. Would well, be. no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, just because you became famous and even like, t- I mean, I'm sure Kesha's touched people and she's famous. <laughs> And, you know, I wouldn't, if you, I I wouldn't like, you know, I think it's fine to be dismissive of Kesha. You know, you just never know. I know Kurt, the whole, yeah, I never really got the Nirvana thing either. I was like, oh, the music's fine. Like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like out and out. I wasn't like, I hate Nirvana. It was nothing like that. I just, I just always did. I just never felt like I got, I liked Pearl Jam. Yeah, I didn't I, love them either. Yeah. I, I enjoy. I really liked. You know, I liked Soundgarden a lot. I loved Chris Cornell. I did think that he was kind of incredibly sexy and wonderful. But um, yeah, I that, that you know, like if yeah, I, like the whole single soundtrack thing. Like, I it's it was all like just sort of. I don't know. It was like fine. Like I, I think I yeah. yeah. I mean, I, for, by and large, I I agree with you. I just wasn't passionate about it the no. same way. And do but just do you wonder if it's like. Because it's almost like, hmm, what am I trying to say? I could talk about music for really? hours and hours. But here's where I'm going with this, maybe. Oh, my God. You have to have Christy Stratton man on. Oh, you know I love my yeah. Christy Stratton man. <laughs> yeah, she really, she loves to talk about, uh, especially the 80s, right? Yeah, but she's also in real classic rock, too. So there's some yeah. a lot of 70s in there, probably, Yeah, I do too. have to have Christy do the podcast. I've talked to her about doing it. Um, I gotta have her on, and I didn't. And I know that I could have had you guys both on, but I would much rather have you on one on one. That's awesome. Um, but uh, but I hear okay. So what I'm trying to say is, I wonder if grunge for me came came so close on the heels of like me sort of making my transformation from just being like a kid into being like kind of a goth teenager that I couldn't apply the same enthusiasm because I could kind of I'd already spent it yeah you know what I mean like I had my transformation from loving you know 
Peter, I mean, I still love Peter Gabriel and talking heads and stuff, but my transformation from loving like Peter Gabriel and the police and talking heads when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, cause that was, those were big bands for my dad. And, and I was very much influenced by him cause he was like a cool hipster in that mm-hmm. way. Um, to kind of discovering my own, music which yeah. was goth like my dad had no time for Depeche Mode or The Cure yeah. you know what I mean? so to kind of like separate myself from him in that way and to have that discovery and to start dressing completely differently and wearing black lipstick and taking drugs and all that stuff that happened and then a few years later or a couple years later grunge hit and I kind of feel like what was I going to do become obsessed with that then because right. I had just been obsessed with something else you know what I mean well no I totally well I have two things to say about that um the first is that I think that music is just, you either hear something, like for me, like I think about Elvis Costello is one of, is one of the things that I think about this with. And the B-52s, ironically, are another one, um, where the first time I heard their music, Violent Femmes, like, I was like, this is what I've always wanted my music to sound like. Like, I have that reaction. Pixies? Um, yes. Right? Yeah. I just think of Violent Femmes, yeah. that sort of realm of... And, and there's just certain bands that I'm like the, the minute I hear when I first heard the first song on armed forces, I was like, I remember going, Oh my God, this is what I want my music to be like. And yeah. so I think it, you either have it or you don't for something. But I also do find that like something you said really made me think because it's like, I just find like, like I don't have the energy. It seems not even the energy. It's not like I'm so old, but it's like, I don't get passionate about, anything i can't anymore like i can't you know there are a whole movies i've wanted to see for an entire year that i haven't made I it to you. see like there's you. just not a lot of you, you know when i think I but don't but what yeah. about like a really great series a television really great television series because it's so easy because oh. it's just like right in front of you <laughs> at home and, and you can save them up on your tivo or like rent the yeah. dvd or something or um and, and but i hear you i hear you i do feel like god what happened to the person who was like I gotta see that person in concert or I gotta go to that movie the day it opens or I've gotta I do feel like I'm sort of like oh I can't I have so much going on I can't put another pressure on myself that's a social one or a sort of an entertainment pressure to like rush out and get something but I still have bands I do still have bands that like even bands that are more recent for me recent discoveries for me where I find out like if like there are certain bands where I'm like I'm I have been waiting for this album to to drop and that yeah. feels good because it kind of does connect me with that young person with being a Sunday Bloody Sunday mm-hmm. was another it was a song I heard where I was like that's this that was another one like where I was like oh my god this is bit this is the most awesome thing I've ever heard but yeah it does I mean I don't want to feel like either just old or indifferent you know or old and indifferent right but it is like your your life is busy it's hard you know to just sort of you know get it all together some days yeah and and really you know so many bands come and we're like oh we would have loved to have seen them but oh well and then next thing you know two years goes by and they come again and yeah you know (laughs) there isn't the same sense of urgency i guess and but okay so let's go back to sorry i really could got off on the uh, music tangent but so so you were doing a lot of theater and what what's your family like are you uh, an only child do you have siblings no parents together do they split um i have uh, I have a younger brother, um, and uh, and no, my parents, my parents are, are still still together. Um, interestingly enough, um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I I don't know what to say about it. Um, I uh, you know my uh, we you know we were never a sports family. No one in my family is particularly athletic or anything. So um, uh, that was. Um, 
there wasn't a lot of uh, pressure or encouragement to play sports, (laughs) you know, which I guess is a a blessing and a curse, I suppose. Um, But, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I mean, you don't have, we don't have to really talk about that that much at all. No, not at all. I'm just trying to think of how it would, um, how it pertains to anything. No, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to tie into anything. I just like to sort of paint a picture so people have a sense of, you know, whether, you know, just kind of what your upbringing was like. It doesn't have to be anything serious or by the way you'd also don't have to like talk about you know doesn't have to turn into a therapy session not at all not at all um it's just it's just i like to sort of see what the evolution is from people's teenagerhoods to where they are now in terms of like what they were excited about or you know what they were what what they're sort of if they felt like they had goals or if they were sort of trying to still figure it all out i mean i have some people who kind of knew exactly who they were and what they wanted to do from a really young age and then people who or like, I just thought I was going to be a scientist or I, well, whatever. And- well, I think I did always want to, like, I don't know. It was like, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, Delaware gets, Delaware gets a bad rap that is, I, can some, I say, I don't even, I don't know anything about it. I'm, I mean, I'm always, those, by the way, like, one of those states I'm, I'm like, I don't. It, well, and it's not, it's like any other, it's like a suburb. I mean, the whole state is more or less like a suburb of Philadelphia or someplace like, you know, not quite DC, but Baltimore, I guess. I don't, you know, it's, it's not, it's funny. It's like the butt of jokes because nobody does know anything about it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's just like any other place, but it was just, you know, so I don't feel like, I don't feel like I grew up in the country of Nebraska, you know, in the, you know, backroads of Nebraska or something and had to leave, but it was like, no, it was a boring suburb, like lots of boring suburbs. And I just, knew like I mean I just you know I knew like that the minute I I just wanted something different like I oh I think that's what um you know that that's what always motivated me was like I want to be someplace more exciting than this I'm going to be a place with um you know whatever just museums and culture and and you know where you can see bands and you know like more of a city and things so and on the east coast you're sort of closer to that Geographically, it seems like small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh Probably yeah. Growing up in Arizona, it's a long way to Los Angeles. It's oh, a long God. way to anything. New York. It's a long way to anything. <laughs> yeah. It's of, like yeah. It doesn't feel as you know like friends of mine and, pe- and people. You know, we had a lot of people from like the New York area on the podcast who have said, "Listen, I grew up on Staten Island. It still felt like New York was a million miles away." But you know, there, I feel like there has to be a maybe a different awareness somehow when you're like a train ride away from a really great sprawling metropolis. Or right, it, it, and it's true. Like my um, my husband grew up on Long Island, and you know, there are people who never go into the city. And part of it's you know they just view the city as this scary place, and nobody wants to go, and they just sit out there, you know they spend all their lives without really ever going to the city for anything. And, um, and I think that's like, I think it is true. It's like, you're, you're really close, but for some people, cities are scary places and stuff. It's so weird. It's so funny to think about, but, um, no, we just, you know, it's funny because, um, my brother and I, like we're, we're two out of 10 cousins and, um, we're the only two who got out of the state. Oh, wow. And it's so bizarre to me to think about, you know, that out of the 10 of us were the only two who, who left. And I don't know, there's just like, like I said, I just always had this sort of wanderlust of looking for something outside of this, um, just cookie cutter suburb where, you know, you know, I mean, it's so weird. Like I'll tell you, explain it. Like, 
and I'm sure you, I mean, everybody has the same experience wherever, whatever suburb you're from. There was this girl I knew when I was like, I lived around the corner from when I was in the fourth and fifth grade, you know, so whatever, we're 10 or 11. And she always had this crush on this guy. And um, let's say his like last name is like Smith or something. And she always had this crush on him, except there's something really specific, something much more specific than Smith, just for the purposes of the story. <laughs> and so because... You know, it's the type of place, Delaware's type of place where like, you know, you, you know, known someone all your life and then your kids play together and are friends. And that's like kind of like the weirdness of it. Um, I was on, you know, she went to school with my cousin and this, this girl I always knew. And um, I was on his wife's Facebook page. And not only are they all still friends, like I can see this woman and her are friends, but her last name is now Smith. Like, she married the guy that she had the crush on in the fourth or fifth grade. Like, she made it work. Like, it happened for her, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, that's craziness when you're 10 years old and you're like, I want to marry him someday. She did! Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how... Like, it is, it does feel, it has that, be- it sort of is a beautiful, a beautiful small town romance to it. I But guess. it is hard to, I know. You're so sweet. You're no, so but there like, are people who listen to the podcast who, you know, I don't want anybody who listens to the podcast to feel like, they're listening to it and they're in Des Moines and like, you know, we're shitting yeah. on people who make the decision to stay where they're from. Um, because I do feel like, you know, I have friends who stayed in Tucson who were blissfully happy and, um, and I totally respect that. It just isn't necessarily for everyone. And so there is something, Oh, I don't doubt that they're all happier than I am <laughs> like on a regular basis. I don't, I do not doubt it for a moment, you yeah. know, <laughs> but, but it is beautiful. I mean, there, there is just something so interesting about like, that insular of a kind of like, yeah, he was my whole world then. And so I'm, and, and that's what I felt like that sort of like this, the space I was operating in. And I just continued operating in that same space where, <laughs> and it worked out. It paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Truman show. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's like the Truman show. It, it really is. It's my, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to go through all my aunt's high school yearbooks and now I go through her kids, Facebook pages and it's all the same last names. Like their friends are the same last names as her friends did. It's just nuts. It's like I mean, there's got. Yeah. It just makes me wonder if there's something about certain areas that maintain themselves in that way more than others. Like if a place were that sort of not great, it seems like more people would kind of be migrating in and out, almost like turnover at a job, versus <laughs> like a community that must be. I don't know. I want to believe that there's something like attractive enough about it that that people just are like, yeah, I'm, I'm good here. You know, I've been watching, mm. um, my sweetie and I have been watching, uh, the seven up series and, um, and I, you know, I'm just so fascinated by people who, I don't know, there was one, I guess that even just the 21, do you know what that is? Yeah, no, okay. I've, I've seen some. Yeah. Of it. yeah. So the, so the, even just at 21, um, this was a while back, but one of the, like a couple of the different people who were like that, you know, that they get asked, would you ever move outside of England or, you know, would you move outside of your, your hometown or whatever? And I think the answers, and those of you who've seen this can probably remember better than I can, but his answer was like, I don't like, why would I? Yeah. Like, it's great. This is great here. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And that really resonated with me because I don't feel that way about it. That's not right, how I right, felt right. about growing up. And so it was this sort of, I mean, I know I've, I, pe- tons of people say that, but it, just hearing it in that moment really hit me like, oh, God, yeah, sure. 
there are people who say who look at you like you're crazy when you say would you ever go anywhere else like they would say why i've got it great here yeah and it's so i was i was talking to a friend of mine who is um you know she's she's a former comedian and and writer and stuff and and and, you know she's she actually lives in rome now but um she's got two kids so a lot of her life is you know taken up with her kids and stuff but still she still has this you know working as a writer and still performing and stuff like that so she's she's got that i guess what i'm saying is she's got that kind of a temperament like she's got like a temperament like you or me or whatever and she was talking to a friend of hers back home like a childhood friend or whatever and she's like it's probably easy being you isn't it and her friend's like yeah i think so like i don't really think about it and she's like oh god because you know we're you know we're tortured we make too much out of things we put we put emphasis on all sorts of weird priorities yeah. and make ourselves crazy with it that's oh, so true you know <laughs> it's so true yeah i mean i guess that's that there there are certainly major trade-offs major trade-offs yeah. to uh, to either, but but if you're on the side where you're not realizing that it is a trade-off, probably you're in better shape. You don't know. I mean, like yesterday, I was like hoofing it up and down Sunset Junction with my book in hand, like um, trying, you know, just basically just going to like boutiques, like places that kind of have like household gifts and yeah, stuff. Where tell I thought, everybody the name of your book because oh, this is how Tess and I met, guys. I know that 40 minutes into a podcast, I probably should have explained more about <laughs> no. why we know each other, but I feel that that's what Google and the description of the episode are for. I and mean, I'm such um, a genius at marketing that I'm yeah. like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to plug my own book. I'm like, oh, that'll seem really, no, we can, you know. we can plug it together because I, I met uh, Tess. She came on uh, to the Huffington Post, uh, to HuffPost Live. And uh, and we talked about her book, which is called Recipes for Disaster. Recipes for Disaster, and it was we had a really lovely conversation about the the sort of um, how fun it is to have the social gatherings and to enjoy playing hostess, even if you're somebody for whom uh, many things go wrong, right? Or even if you don't kind of- have what you know everything, even if you're not a good cook, even if you don't feel like you've got a complete set of china like you know i our first thanksgiving we were talking about this last night my husband and i our first thanksgiving in la have 12 years ago we cooked for eight people and we didn't even have a table we pushed two coffee tables together that didn't even weren't even really the same height so it was like this mind the gap situation (laughs) with a tablecloth over it and you know but you could still have great memories and great meals together i think those are my best memories are are those sort of cobbled together like just yeah raggle taggle stuff just real but really fun nights because it's all about who you're with and sometimes it's like people you don't even talk to anymore and you're like oh i hate that person but that was a really (laughs) fun night (laughs) you know we'll always have that we'll always have that we'll always Um, have thanksgiving well so okay so you were hoofing it around sunset junction so yeah so so this book that's it's a memoir of dinner parties and i've thrown and what went wrong and and I have real tongue-in-cheek tips and some recipes in it and everything. And so I'm I'm going to different like little you know you know how in LA it's like a store sells like might sell like some clothes and a baby gift and like three books and a candle and two necklaces and (laughs) exactly those are my favorite LA shops and yes Sunset Junction guys for those of you who don't know. The L.A. area is very hipster, kind of east side um, Los Angeles, like great like intelligentsia coffee shop and like the cheese shop. But also, you know, the Vice store used to be there, like right. the Vice Magazine store. And so it is and very a much of restaurants. Kind of, like it is. Yeah. It's a good idea for you to go to one of those places and go, oh, you have these like hipster men's clothing, but you also have like 
these cool lady tchotchkes, you should have my book here. I right. Totally you know, the idea. holidays are coming up. Sure. And, and, you know, my book's at like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and stuff. But, you know, I just thought like, hey, there's, these are places where, you know, obviously my whoever my sales reps are in New York don't know about these places. So, you know, I'm just giving out books to like some of the shop owners and, um, you know, saying, listen, this is a great holiday book if you're interested. Just wanted to, you know, I gave them free copies and stuff. And I'm just thinking like, God, it never ends. You know, I mean, I didn't have to do that, but you know, I mean, and you know, but I'm like, no, I think this is a good idea. And it actually worked out. Like every store I went into was like, was really supportive. They're like, do you want to have a signing here? Like everybody was really awesome. I do love Sunset Junction for that. (laughs) Me too. It's great. It supports the sort of, I mean, anything like that, that feels and craft fairs and stuff like that. Anything that feels like it's supporting people who have dedicated themselves to being artists in some way or being artisans in some way. I mean, um, have you ever been to Pull My that. Daisy? Yeah, yeah. I, it's all local. LA I no, that that woman is and that woman's so awesome. Like sometimes I'll walk in there and she's got a crib set up with her kid in it, which I just think is yeah. great. It's like I'm a mom now. Here's my kid, and he must be in in preschool now or something because I don't see him any. I was just in there yesterday. I don't see him anymore, but. Yeah. You know, it's just that great, great kind of vibe to it and stuff. I totally agree. I totally love that. Speaking of books, yes, um, I, I think we should address uh, this this book that you brought in because I'm very excited about well, it. Well, you know, here's the thing, and this is what I'll always say about Barbie, is that I never stuck a finger down my throat because of Barbie. I have stuck a finger down my throat, but never because of Barbie. But I do think that she gets a bad rap, and this kind of ties into the conversation we were having, is that... I felt like Barbie to me, the book is a Barbie book, by the way. It's like a whole retrospective. It's called Bar- Barbie, Her Life and Times. And it's a book I had in my adolescence that I looked at many yeah, times. Let's, yeah, to be clear, it's a retrospective, but it, it's not like it takes us up to the present. This still, like the retrospective still looks ancient to me. Right. No, it, it, 80s, it's, maybe. it's, I think it is. I think the book is from sometime in the 80s. Um, it's the first half is a retrospective of like all the different Barbies from the first one through, you know, the eighties. And then the second half, and this is really brilliant here. They basically had some sort of exhibit where they had all the world's leading fashion designers designed for Barbie. So the whole second half is like, Oh, here's a Perry Ellis sweater that he designed for Barbie. I'm like just reading off of it. Like, you know, fabulous. um, They've got Yves Saint Laurent did a whole section in here. And, you know, um, Keith Herring, um, you know they have all, they have them all organized by by country. I love everything I'm They seeing. have the French designers. The, they have a Pucci Barbie, Diane von Furstenberg here. So it's really, um, it's really glamorous. Like right into this, she has nicer clothes than I do now. Oh, for basically, sure. I mean, in I'm this. not saying not for sure. Like you have crappy clothes, but like those clothes are fabulous. No, like yeah. So so take a look at it. Um, here I want you to see it because I see it all the time. Yeah, I'm gonna flip through this. Um, and I just feel like. You know what? Barbie was really cool. And I feel like Barbie really aspired me to want to do something with my life in a sense, because she was a woman who lived in a fabulous house and she wasn't married. Like she obviously, and she had a thousand careers. She was like an astronaut and a vet and a supermodel (laughs) and a high school student. Yeah. But, um, it was really like, don't you, I just feel like she, she gets a bad rap, but she kind of interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those, Ooh, look at Japanese version of Barbie. It's so anime. Oh yeah. Right. Um, Look at her. Oh, I know, and I so love those outfits, interesting. too. I hope we... Maybe we can take some snapshots of this and, For the- um, and put it on the Facebook page. Um, but uh, but, I, but what you're saying, I think, is that it's, it is really interesting because, I mean, obviously you made it as simple as you didn't stick your, your finger down your throat for... Um, 
because of Barbie, but you did for something else. Obviously, I it's hard for me to leave that alone because I want to know why you did and when that stopped. But um, we don't have to. Again, we don't have to get. Uh, into that if you don't want to I'm just taking a picture of this of, one Japanese of this Barbie. fantastic Japanese bar- anime Barbie yeah. um, but uh, I'll take a picture of the book too but um, but I agree with you that I feel like you know I, I can't it's hard to pinpoint where our issues with our bodies come from uh, and I also uh, you know I like to tout myself as like a bit of a tomboy because I was such a, a an avid like bike rider and um, I think I wanted to be more like my dad than you know anybody and um, I mean, I look back at like, I was just looking at this, flipping through this, um, you know, sort of b- book of, ma- I'm pointing as if you're going to know, it's in my garage. <laughs> I am pointing to my garage door. Uh, in my, you know, this sort of like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And like, there's a, like a, like a book of memories. There's like a pocket for each one where you can put your report cards and you, you're supposed to like record oh, sure. who your friends <laughs> were and what you want. And so, and one of the things is when I grow up, I want to be, and it's so amazing to see like what, how much the your people the people around you influence you. I don't remember wanting to be a professional bike rider, <laughs> but my dad was so obsessed with cycling that I it really crept in. And so you know I, I consistently the first like ten years of my life, whatever else is in there, and a lot of the time it was an actress or like a rock star <laughs> or you know a music teacher or something like that. Um, I always put that I wanted to be a bike rider. Wow. And, um, and so I definitely was a like, hugely in- influenced by, by my dad. And, uh, and so Barbie doesn't really fall into that, but I definitely was really into Barbie and, uh, and I would like to be, I sometimes would like to be the girl who's like, no, I didn't care for Barbie, yeah. but I loved Barbie. I loved fashion. I loved dressing her. I loved, you know, I, I, I loved her. And I, I agree with you that I, whatever issues I've had with, you know, my self-image and body dysmorphia and stuff that a lot of women go through. I would never, I, I, I don't, if it's in, if it's Barbie, it is so, is buried so deep in me that I can't make the association because I feel like I can come up yeah. with other things that made me feel that way. But I never really made the connection with Barbie. Like, I never was like, my waist should be the proportions of a Barbie. No. Like, you know what I mean? We talk about the sort of craziness of the Barbie proportions. But I think it's both. I think it's, I think it probably is bad. And it, I think she's bad and good. I think she, all the reasons that you listed that she's fabulous are true. I think that probably all of the reasons that people criticize Barbie are probably also true and valid. Yeah. I, um, I just, you know, always thought like, how like and I look back at it now like that we kind of took it for granted that she had this great house that she lived in on her own. Oh, that's and, true. I haven't really thought about it that y- way. You're right. You know, and and we we don't really look at it now, but I think we're still in a society that you know, and there's something wrong with it. I mean, like, look, it's not like a lot of men are out there buying houses on their own either. You know, right. but we're in a still in a society where a lot of you know a lot of women need need a second income to really you know yeah have you know have a home or or have certain things in their lives and it's really i think inspiring oh there's the poochie one that's amazing i think it's inspiring to have this woman who's like no she lives on her own and she's not dependent on a man and she does have a dozen careers you're right yeah and and you know and kind of glamorous and i think you know it's not all about it's not all about having things but i think it's it's also you have to aspire to something, you know, in life also. And that's what I think is so hard. Like I, sometimes I meet people and it's like, well, you know, and I think 
it's like, what are you aspiring to? What are your goals? Like what's, what's your dream for the future? And, and I feel like that's like one of the places where mine started was like sort of like looking at, you know, I mean, looking at different things, reading Rolling Stone magazine as a kid, you were like, I want to be where these people are, where these people are writing about. But sometimes I, I, you know, you're like, you see like people in real ruts or, and you're like, God, what is it? You know, you know, I don't know. Where where do you get your goals from? And that's a really good point. And, but also what's funny for me is that I've just had such nebulous goals in my life. Like I, I (laughs) don't have, I've not been able to really, that's another thing in flipping through the stuff from when I was a kid, like that you sort of see that, you know, they're in, they're asking you to set up goals for yourself by saying, when I grow up, I want to be blank. And <clears throat> I was trying to sort of like associate that kid and, and like, at what point, at what age do you start to understand what those quote unquote goals or aspirations actually entail? Like, what do they require? Like, what is the actual path to getting there? And I think that's why, you know, a lot of little girls first, you know, start out thinking they want to be a ballerina and then it evolves into something different. Um, but I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I guess I never had, I feel like I should have been more goal oriented, I guess, because I probably was one of those people who, even when I came down here, when I would like meet with agents at first and they were like, well, where do you want to, where do you want to be in five years? Or like, <laughs> what do you want? What do you want from this business? I had no answer for that. I was I, like, I don't know. It's probably not going to work out, number one. I mean, that's really yeah, how yeah, pragmatic yeah. I no, was. No, I know. That's that's my favorite most. Out of all the agent questions I hate, I think that's my favorite to hate. Because it's like, they like you know, they criticize you when you like don't. I remember like one agent, I was like, I just want to make money. Like, I don't. You tell me. Like, what? Let's just, you know. Because when you're. I.e., I want what you want, agent. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Because when you're. Um, when you're like, you come from a comedy background, I come from a comedy background, like, you know, we're all hyphenates at this point. Like right. we might write for sitcoms. We might write for comedy variety. We might do some writing and then on a sketch show, we might also have a recurring on something, a recurring character on another thing. Like who knows where this is all going to end for any of us when you're in this perspective you know, kind of when you get into the field this way and stuff. And so it's just so funny to me because like then the minute you tell them, if you are like, you know, tell them something, they tell you why it's not going to happen (laughs) or why it's difficult. We know that's really hard. Yes. I know it's really hard. That's why I want an agent or that's why I'm working hard. Or you're like, I don't know what you want me to say. I I hate that question. And it's like, yeah, sure. What do you want? We're going to make that happen. And then, you know, six months later, you haven't heard from them in two weeks or whatever. (laughs) And you're like, I I hate that agent. It's like in the agent book. Yeah, it's so true. I think I, I think I've made something up on the spot, but it's funny though, because I feel like what I made up on the spot has, has become more, I didn't know. Wow. It's actually really interesting that you said that I'm having like a little bit of an Oprah moment and oh. the sun just came out a little bit in the cloud. So it oh. seems super over the top that I just had that while that was happening. But, um, but I, I think the first agent meeting I took, which by the way was like with someone who would never have represented me, like someone way too big for <laughs> this kid who had no credits, who just came down from, from San Francisco. But I think they said like, who they said, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know. I really was yeah. like, I don't know. And they were like, well, whose career do you admire? Like, who do you admire? And at the time, this was like eight years ago. Uh, I was like, Conan O'Brien, Conan O'Brien. And they were like, oh, like nobody saw that coming. They yeah, thought yeah. that I was going to say like Courtney Cox, like she has her own production company and she's an actress and da da da. 
And, uh, but I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I would love to host like a late night talk show or something with, you know, would be like Conan and, and have a production company and like foster young talent and like that kind of thing. And, uh, but I seriously, I feel like I said that because like maybe I saw a picture of Conan O'Brien right before I came inside. I mean, I do love Conan. Like, I couldn't love him more. But, uh, but I, that it wasn't necessarily a goal. But it's funny now looking, looking at my life eight years later. It's a lot more like hosty than I ever expected when I came down. I had no experience like hosting anything really. I was just thought I would be, you know, you put that out there to the universe. That's what it was like the secret you made. And by the way, I'm a long way from being Conan (laughs) O'Brien. I'm like 30. If things keep going the way they're going, I'm 30 years away from being Conan. But, um, but, uh, but it is, but it's weird that that just came up just now. Well, I mean, did you, what, did you ever, did you have an answer at any point that felt real to you in terms of goals? Like I want to write on a show or I want to create my own, you know, show or I want to be, I do want to be an author or, or is it like you just said, which we both feel, which is like, I don't know. Can something just work out? Yeah. It involves I mean, me doing something that's fun. It's really kind of it. And I almost like I'm, I'm seriously resentful when I get asked that question, because I feel like it's a trick question. I really do. I feel like they're posing as these kingmakers. Like, do you tell us our, your dream? You know, I've been through it so many times with people where it's like, you know, you tell us your dreams and we're going to make it happen. And it's like, my dream would be for you to not take 10 days to return an email. Like that's, <laughs> that's so I mean, like, let's start. I mean, because that's what the reality then becomes where you're like, you know, I remember like going through something with some representation, like literally like I was like a forensic accountant, like, okay, I emailed you on such and such date about this thing. Um, and five days later, you told me you couldn't open the file. <laughs> That's a classic. And then I resent it. And that was seven days ago. Uh, you know, and you're just like, God, like I wish, um, you know, I was telling one person once, like, you know, basically some, she, she wasn't my agent, but she was an agent who was a, a friend. And I'm like, look, you return my calls. And she's like, the bar set so low for us. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. I, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is. So I kind of, re- I get resentful about that question. Like, I'm going to tell you this why, because then you're going to, you're going to tell me you're going to do it. And then again, like I said, you're going to, you know, no, you know, whatever, not return the But emails. I'm talking about like a conversation with a friend. Like I'm not talking oh, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about I mean, not talking because about- I agree with you 100% when it comes to like there's nothing worse than being asked that from someone that you already don't trust like the <laughs> second you've met them you, you, you're coming into you're coming into the relationship like with mistrust and cynicism but yeah. I mean you know just like you know if you're just sitting in a conversation with someone like I've definitely said to like a girlfriend god I would love to you know what I mean I would love to oh, listen I've said hey I would love to not work I mean, yeah. I've been in mo- I've been, definitely been in moods where I've been like, oh, it'd be so great to just like, just do things that are exciting and fun to me. Like, I don't get paid to do this podcast. It costs me money to do this podcast. And I've never like solicited for money from anyone. You know, I don't, I yeah. haven't, I haven't gotten to the place where I'm like, hey guys, if you want to donate to my podcast, here's my, here's mm-hmm. a way to do that and become a donor or whatever. But, um, but if I could just do this. There are some days where yeah. it's like, that would just be great. It is like, I'm kind of in a place after, you know, I was on the suit for seven and a half years and then I left in May. I wrote on the suit for that long, for that time and then I left in May. You know, I knew I had the book coming out. I'd had a screenplay option and I just really wanted to, I just wanted to change. It was just like, you know, um, and so I am in a place now where it's like, I... 
I'm like, what's what's going to be fun for like, you know, what's going to be fun for me? What's what, you know, like, you know, I'm out there. I came back. I, I I traveled for about five weeks and then I came back. I worked on the Roseanne roast and obviously I'm, you know, I'm, whatever. I've got things that I work on and stuff and pitches and things. But I'm like, what's going to be fun? Like, what's something I can do? Because remember when this was fun? It's like, you know, you, I, I always found it really interesting. And I've said this for years is that you want to pursue this, you know, entertainment because this is what you want to do more than anything in the world. And, you know, and maybe there are people you do plays with when you're in your teens or something and they go on to have other jobs and maybe they go on to do community theater or children's theater or something in their spare time. And, and they get to, and it gets to just be a joy, like a pleasure. Like I look forward exactly. to doing that show because that's my fun time, not my, oh my God, I have to audition for this thing and I hope they like me and da, 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 da time. Right. No, absolutely. And, and what happens is, is like, you know, like you're trying to make money, you're trying to like find a way in, you're trying to, you know, whatever, do get something going and you're like, you know, they're like, you know what's selling game shows? Why don't you come up with a game show, Janet? So like next thing you know, you find yourself trying to develop a game show. You don't want to run a game show. <laughs> like, you know, and I remember like it was like this, especially like it was like first it was like re- game shows. Then it was reality. Then it was cartoons. Like, there was always like something at every turn that like you're like, I don't the dream has become so bastardized. I don't even recognize it anymore. Correct. Um, not that like, look working on the roast was a blast. I had such a great time on the, when I was on the soup and all that kind of stuff, there's still stuff that you like about it, but I am sort of in the place where I'm like, what, like, like you're saying with your podcast, you can, yeah, like learning, learning how to define, redefine it for yourself and kind of get back to a place where you're really listening to what you want instead of listening to other people tell you what you want. Right. Right. Or just really, really want. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't resist that. I did like a, like a comedy burlesque show a number of years ago, just because, I, same thing. I was going through all this strife over st- projects I didn't even care about, you know, and they were still just causing me like, you know, aggravation. And I was like, I want to just do something for the joy of it. And, um, and I want to get up on a stage and I want to dance and I want to tell jokes and I want it to be fun and I want us to look hot. And, you know, and then when that became a problem too, like, you know, we did a couple of different incarnations of that. And then when that started to become like everything else, like trying to hustle people into a space once a week, I was like, okay, we're done. You know, when people started fighting backstage and. You know, you're like, okay, well, now this sounds is- like someone created a reality show. <laughs> Inadvertently, people are buying that. Tess, what are you doing? It was a game show. Who oh, wants to be God. on my bur- comedy burlesque show? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but yeah, so I think about that a lot. Like, what's I mean, the, the book seems like like that to me. That seems like a like a lovely answer in a sense. I mean, that's at least kind of what I got when I was you know reading through it and stuff. Is just that 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 felt to me a little bit like the podcast feels to me. Like that yeah. it would be this sort of like, hey, this is. This is me as a person in my personal life talking about like what's, you know, what, how, what I do outside of the business. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, what I do, you know, I am a compulsive dinner party thrower. Like I can't help myself. And I mean, even on a weeknight, if we're like, if we're at home cooking and I'm on the phone with someone, I'm like, why well, just come over? And then I'm like, I you know, I love that, Tess. I, I think that's so great. Oh, thank you. I, it's fun. It's like really, um, I am compulsive about it and I am working on an idea that I think would be like, that is sort of the thing right now, like where it's, you know, basically I, um, I have comics over my house for dinner and and we cook together and eat. And and so it kind of turns into half a panel show because we're talking about something like that. And 
I, but like, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, who, by the way, no one wants to listen to me pitch anything. So I'm not like, well, Hey, I pitched something. And like, this that whole was, biz, but whole I love, because I love that too. I that's is, why I, I connected with you so much when we first met. I was like, ah, and also I, I should say that I know, uh, Tessa's husband. I've worked for him, uh, uh, on a couple of shows actually when I first moved down here, but, um, yeah, I guess that was, that was about eight years ago. <clears throat> I love, uh, I love, I love that idea. I think that's great. You would be so great at that. Like that, that would be a really cool show. I think it would be fun. I mean, I'm already getting excited for Thanksgiving. Like my my big thing this year is this is so. I mean, this is what happens when women are childless. I think, right? I'm like, this is what we're gonna do. This is for place cards. I'm because we're really big on place cards. Chris, my husband, actually is really like he loves place cards. There's a whole thing about it in the book that he. When the first time we went somewhere where they had place cards, he was like, it was like the answers like to his prayers, like, this, <laughs> like the clouds, because he's like, no one will sit down when we call everyone to dinner. No one wants to take a seat because no one knows where anyone else is sitting. Yeah. And he's like, and meanwhile, I'm trying to get the food to the table and it's getting cold and no one will sit down. He's like, I, so now he's loves place cards. Um, so, so for Thanksgiving next week, I'm going to make hand turkeys. You know, yeah, I love hand turkeys. That's a great idea. <laughs> and put people's name inside of them, yes. and that's going to be their place card. That's fantastic. You went old school. I I'm love totally it. old school, but I'm really excited about it. And I'm like, yesterday morning, I was like, well, maybe if I have some time before I go out to this meeting, I'll do. I'll start making the hand turkeys. You know what I see in your future <laughs> is some tissue paper snowflake winter dinner party. Uh, oh, place cards. Oh, that's a good one. Like, like a good like. Because I really like found sort of like what do I have around the house that I can, yeah, you know. Um, this is what I would like to see. I'd yeah. like to see you make a tissue paper or snowflake as a place card. And then even, I know this is <laughs> messy, old school white Elmer's glue cursive person's name sprinkle glitter on it. Oh, I can. Well, I, do it with the, it I, out, I do that with a glue gun right? actually. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good one. Well, you know what I do at Christmas? This is really, and this isn't found objects. This is actually cost money and, and, and it gets to be obsessive. I, I usually just have a pine cone and like I have a little place card in the pine cone or whatever. But then next to that, I have an ornament specifically selected for each dinner guest. Oh, I love it. <laughs> if you don't, I, I'm sorry. I know I said this on HuffPost, but if you don't invite me over, I mean, you see my house, so you understand that what? like aesthetics and things like that yeah, are very important to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. I am dying to see what a Tess Rafferty dinner party is like. I love of, everything I'm hearing. Of course. We'll turkeys. have, we'll have you, we'll definitely ornaments. have you over. Chris would love to I see you. I love it all. We'll have Christy and her husband too. Yeah, yeah it'll be, we'll have a oh, whole thing. Last, um, yeah, Gary's great. That would be really fun. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, so that's. But but unfortunately, if it's you know, the Christmas is the only time I do these the specifically mm. selected ornaments for each individual person that they then get to take home with them, and they're oh. very. Um, you know, they're all, they all have like a special meaning. God, for every, I, I can see how that would get super obsessive, but I yeah. love the concept. I think that's <laughs> no, so it's great. It's totally ridiculously obsessive. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You made me so excited for the holidays, actually. And that reminds me that uh, this episode will come out on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, so, fun. Oh, wonderful. Um, I'm, uh, so I, I, I just realized that as you were saying that my podcast comes out on Thursday. I'm not going to make an exception just because it's Thanksgiving. So people um, need something to listen to. Maybe, maybe. Maybe they want something to listen to. Yeah. So let's um let's uh this is you're gonna like 
think I'm so cheesy because you've already accused me of being too cheesy. Not you haven't accused me of being too cheesy, but I I said you were optimistic. You said I was very nice. Yeah, Yeah. small towns. But let's. uh, Why don't we end the uh, episode? Uh, I think we've sort of talked about this stuff anyway. But maybe we end the episode each talking about uh, very quickly something that uh, we feel thankful for. Right? I would love to. I actually. That's my one big thing is I do love to express gratitude. Like I really. and I don't hope that doesn't sound like really like conceited or so. I, lo- I love to express gratitude, but I no, think it's I think really it's important. Great. And I think it's, um, I just think it's really important. I love, I too, like, here's another thing. Just, you know, um, I love sending, um, I'll still write a thank you. Don't put it in the mail for like, if somebody cooked me dinner sometimes, you know, just like a very, we don't do that anymore. I love buying thank fine. you cards and having reasons to send them. Right. Oh God. It's so great. Um, <laughs> So, so I'm thankful, like in particular right now in this point in my life, because I did have the book come out, you know, two weeks ago or whatever, three weeks ago. Um, and uh, I'm really grateful that I've had a lot of shocking, I don't want to say shocking, like I've had a lot of support come and some from some unexpected places. Like I've had like, you know, like sometimes... You, you know, the, my, my book came out during the hurricane, actually, and I was supposed to be in New York for it. And, and there was all these things kind of going wrong or that weren't getting done and, and um, you know, all sorts of stuff. And um, but then like people who, you know, just people you've met who just have always been friends are like kind of offer up support in one form or another with something. And it's just really remarkable, I think. So I've, I feel like the universe has really sent all these great people my way for the book to kind of support it. And um you know, and my husband's really been amazing, I have to say, because I've been <laughs> like, like even Monday night, he was sick. It was his first full day back at work. Um, and I'm like, uh-uh, we're taping it. We're, we're, we got we got a dinner party tonight. We're taping a, We're taping an episode of Sunday dinner. So like you need Love to it. you need to come. You're coming to dinner tonight. Like, sorry, they're expecting you. We have a call time. Like, I and he's just it. taking pictures of things and, and movies of the taping. I mean, I'm sorry, my signing and all sorts of stuff. So, well, here's what we should do, too. I just had this idea on the fly, but um, I would love to send a book to a copy of the book to one of the listeners. So oh, why don't fun. we do this, you guys, because you guys, this is good because everybody wins so i'll buy a copy of your book and it will be my gift to a listener and everybody knows that i love getting emails and stuff um and so and i know guys sometimes it takes me a little bit longer than i mean it to to get back to you but uh if you have ever sent me an email and i haven't responded please send it to me again because you it breaks my heart when i don't get back to you um but if you are interested in the book, and I can tell you that it's charming and wonderful, um, if you're interested in it, then you should send me an email with like a, just a, just send me a silly story about like a meal or a party you went to or a party you threw. Oh, that's and great! And then I'll pick uh, I'll pick one of them. Pick and one of your I'll, favorite. Yeah, and I'll mail you guys a copy of the book, and then uh, we'll talk about it on the podcast. I haven't done anything like that before, so it'll be really a fun, oh, uh, yeah. a fun exercise, and it connects me to the listeners, and and we'll get your book out there and. That, oh, that could be a really great. cool, yeah. uh, a cool thing. A dish gone wrong, something horrible yeah. that you had to serve someone on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I love something. it. This is going to be great. Okay, I'm super excited about that, guys. And um, I didn't and mean then, to go off on a tangent. No, yeah, my God, not at all. It was things. a great. It was a perfect. It was a perfect. It gave me the perfect, perfect. idea. Now I'm patting myself on the back. <laughs> it gave me a brilliant idea, everyone. Um, listen, this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody who listens to the podcast. Everyone is so tired of me being so grateful, but I and I apologize to put the test through this, but, uh, I am, I cannot talk about being grateful without talking about, uh, the podcast and talking about the listener. Um, 
uh, I've nothing about what I'm saying is any different than I've ever said when I go off on it. But uh, if we are talking about Thanksgiving, I have my life has completely changed because of this podcast. Um, it is wow. something that I only do once a week, and uh, it has changed my emotional state in terms of how I respond to the rest of the world in such a profound way. Really, uh, I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten bad news, or I have gotten up and just felt kind of bummed out for whatever reason, or I've just been tired because I've been working so much. Um, anything like that, it always seems like. In a moment like that, I swear to God, I have like 30 seconds of feeling horrible and then I'll check my email and I'll get an email. Speaking of the universe sending stuff, that will be the moment that I get an email from one of you guys saying, I'm having a really hard time. My podcast helps me get through or your podcast helps me get through or you guys are so funny or your guests are so amazing or I didn't know about this thing until I heard about it on your podcast. Now I love this band or whatever and I don't have any time to feel shitty yeah, it just yeah. It, it it can't last, and it's because of you guys. So um, I couldn't be doing the podcast for a more selfish reason, but um, I'm really glad that uh, that there are people out there that are getting something back because uh, I'm completely addicted to it now because I feel like I get those responses yeah. um, exactly in the moment when I most need them. So it's been really extraordinary. So that's what I'm thankful for. Well, I think too that art sort of happens twice. You know, like it happens when you create it. Like I wrote the book, but then it really only kind of half happens until people read it and until people enjoy it or until people like, I mean, really like we can't, you know, we can't do what we do without people out there listening and reading and watching and enjoying things. So it really like, you know, without, without listeners, without watchers or fans or viewers or whatever, we, we don't get to do this. Absolutely. I love art happens twice. I think that's a great way to, to end the podcast. Tess, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. I'm really glad that it worked out and, uh, me too. I had such a a great time. Awesome. Okay guys. Well, uh, hope to hear from you. Excited to send a book to somebody and, um, we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Thanks so much. As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.